This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs with She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we are officially two weeks away from the start of training camp. We talk about it all offseason. It feels like such a long span without football between the draft and now. But then Perry and I realized today that we literally have two weeks until football is back all over our timelines on social media. And we'll be able to absorb everything going on as the Packers you know, contend for a 2022 Super Bowl. So today, this was Perry's brainchild, and I loved it. Uh, we'll be looking at some potential free agency additions before training camp in the same vein as the Devondre Campbell signing was last season. So thinking about players that are still unsigned street free agents who could come in and have a huge impact on this existing Packers roster. So Perry, I love this. Since it was your idea, I want you to select the first player that you think could come in and make an immediate impact. Okay. So before we dive into the picks, I guess I want to tell you a little bit about my thought process because I think we probably had a very similar one, which was there's still some areas of need. I actually just on Packaday went through some of the depth guys with Andy and Alex and it kind of jogged something in me, I guess, to say like, there's still some positions where the depth isn't really there and there's some decent camp battles. So it wouldn't be that out of the box if the Packers brought in someone else who's not currently with the team, just like they did with Devondre Campbell. And there are a lot of free agents still, um, still out there. So um, that's kind of what I went for was the position groups that potentially need some like bolstering. So I'm going to start with one that actually might be a surprise, but um, I started looking at, I started with offensive linemen and the reason being just, it is a little bit, they have so many guys on the interior, but right now the tackle spots with an unknown David Bakhtiari timeline an unknown Elton Jenkins timeline an unknown development of some of the younger guys. Um, maybe they bring in a vet 
and just have that as insurance. So one of the better uh, offensive linemen still out there is Daryl Williams. He was on the Bills. He was their right tackle for the last two seasons. Um, he's still only 29, and he started every game with the Bills the last two seasons, played like 100% of snaps, so definitely still durable. Um, I actually didn't realize that he was a second-team All-Pro in 2017 when he was with Carolina, so he's no slouch, right? Like This is a formerly very, very, very good player that can slide in at right tackle. Obviously don't know enough about him to say he could go into left tackle too, but it's just nice to have a veteran tackle in the room. Um great depth piece, like I said, with just like not knowing where Bach, Elton, all the other guys are going to kind of land. And we know that the Packers love to bring in as many offensive linemen into camp as humanly possible. So, and they do normally have like a kind of vet swing guy and they don't have one this year so far, at least. So have my eye on him as that possibility. Yeah. When I saw this name on the the spreadsheet, I was surprised because we just talked about him I think it was last week on pack a day um, when we were going through our position or our team previews for this the schedule and I was shocked that he wasn't on a roster because like you said he was a starter for two years at right tackle and a former all pro so it just it I guess maybe if you think about maybe price tag what he's looking for versus what you know his market could be um but I really, really liked that pick. And it, it meets the mold of what we've seen the Packers do, right? Dennis Kelly, um, Valdir, they've had a lot of bodies in that can play kind of that similar vein. And something I wanted to mention, too, I know we're looking at, you know, guys that could come in before training camp. But I think we also are kind of considering, like, the Rasul Douglas midseason because you never know what injuries are going to crop up. So I will say that I think for this exercise, we focused on players that can come in now. But some of these names that we're talking about could be guys that we see in October or November if they're still available. And Rasul Douglas is a great example of that, right? 89% of defensive snaps. He started nine games, played in 12, and had one of the biggest impacts on the team. So just keeping that in mind for sure. Yeah, there was definitely, I think the thought, right, was like, well, who can they bring in pre- the season starting, but at the same time, all of, all of these free agents are available at any point in the season. You know, the Packers can always go and pick somebody up. Yeah, and you hate to to have to account for injuries, but they always happen. So, you know, whether that injury happens day one of training camp, during the preseason, a couple weeks into the season, it helps to kind of know the names that are out there. So, um, I'll give you one of mine if we want to do like a swap. Yeah. Uh, I was really big. We talked about it on this very show um, on Whitney Merciless before he retired as being that third rotational rusher. Um, so my, my name is a bigger name, you know, maybe it, it wouldn't be that kind of acquisition that the Packers are looking for, but I'm still honestly baffled that Jason Pierre Paul is not on a roster. He was going to be my fourth. If I hadn't <laughs> chosen the three that I did, I'm in the same boat as you. I do not get it. Two-time Super Bowl winner, Giants and Bucks, three-time Pro Bowler, as recently as 2020, had one of the best years of his career in 2020, played all 16 games for the Bucks that season, had nine and a half sacks, two sacks against Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, if you look at his statistics, even though he had shoulder surgery in February, he would be raring to go, um, even by the start of the season. And I, I just, I was breaking this down for my own benefit. And I know it'll come up with a player that you're going to talk about a little bit later, but just the edge depth in general. You've got Kingsley and Igbari, obviously rookie fifth round pick, hasn't played an NFL snap. Randy Ramsey on the depth chart, 75 career snaps, missed all of 2021. 
Jonathan Garvin, his numbers actually did surprise me. Garvin, as like a rotational third guy, I think he is going to get some looks in camp. 39% of snaps on defense, one and a half sacks, 11 pressures. So not terrible, but not a lot of opportunities. Then you've got Tipa, who had 34% of defensive snaps. Ladarius Hamilton, 64 snaps. And then Chauncey Maddock and Kobe Jones have had zero NFL snaps. So just no depth really behind Preston and Rashawn and with Zedarius gone, even though he didn't play in 2021, really there's a lot of, a lot of snaps there up for grabs. I think. I think edge is like the one, if they were going to bring somebody in, it's going to be at edge because I totally agree. You look at who is at three, four, five, and they have almost no experience. And you hope that somebody that they've drafted over the last couple of seasons in the later rounds makes that jump. But at the same time, do you feel confident that it's going to be Randy Ramsey or Jonathan Garvin or Tiba? Like, I, I don't know. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they go out and get. So my question though, so when I was looking at JPP, cause obviously he came up when I was doing my research, the only things that stand out are he's 33. Okay. That's not the end of the world. Cause like you said, he's been playing pretty top of his game the last couple of seasons. So it's obviously, you know, he's coming off an injury, but doesn't seem like he's been on the decline and then money, right? Is he going to demand a higher paycheck? Because rightfully so, right? He, he deserved it and he's produced enough to ask for it. So those are the questions that I have for him. And same with my, my second guy is more, it's just the, are the numbers that they are looking for not aligning with what front offices are offering? Yeah. And I mean, I think with, with JPP too, there's some questions about, you know, he did have the shoulder surgery in February. It had kind of hamstrung his season in 2021 with the Bucks, and the Bucks defense is, is just loaded. And you could make the same argument that the Packers, obviously, maybe he wouldn't be a starter, you know, he knows he'd be third on the depth chart and maybe he doesn't want that. I think a guy like Whitney Merciless was okay with that role, you know, even being the fourth guy in that room. So I know he like, I think that's a perfect place for a JPP to slide into at 33 mm -hmm. coming off a shoulder injury, right? You don't have right. to be an every down guy. You can come in in certain situations and probably more than likely produce because you have other great pieces on the defensive front around you. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Thankfully, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary have been healthy, but I do think that the depth there without a guy like Z, you know, Pierre Paul was, I think he just visited the Ravens not that long ago. And that is a very veteran locker room as far as your edge rushers are concerned. Um, I think Calais Campbell is, is there now. So just, I think his presence in that defensive room, he'd get along really well with those guys and would be a great rotational piece. I am with you. I feel, I felt the same way about him. I was, Toying between him and and the other edge that I chose. So, um, all right. So should I should I give you my second guy? Yeah, let's hear it. He's my biggest name for sure, um, and I do kind of understand why he's a free agent right now. So there is that, but I think another area that the Packers need very very similar to edge, two fantastic starting safeties, and then a lot of question marks after that. Right, like. Vernon Scott was on the active roster, did not play, at, didn't even suit up for a single game. They obviously drafted Tariq Carpenter, but he's more of that hybrid safety linebacker. And then just the rest of the depth is like just a very big question mark. The, the third safety that they played all of last season, Henry Black, they didn't even bring back. So I was looking at safeties and the name that stood out to me was Landon Collins. 
I wanted the Packers to sign him actually when he became a free agent before he went to Washington. And then obviously Washington handed him like a ginormous, like six year, like made him, I think one of the highest paid DVs at the time. Um, and they just released him this off season. So definitely question because it's, you know, earlier than his contract was up. I did a little digging and it does sound like, look, I take everything the Washington front office does with a grain of salt anyway, but it does sound like they asked him to restructure his contract this season. He did. And then after the Carson Wentz trade, they asked him to restructure again. And he was like, come on, like, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because they couldn't come to terms with any kind of second restructure, He was like, I'll just take my chances on the free agency market, which has obviously not panned out for him too well. But, you know, this is a guy who's only 28, right? He has a little bit of an injury history, um, but the Packers took a chance on a guy like Sammy Watkins, who also has a bit of an injury history. So I don't know if that's too much of a hamstring for them. (laughs) Ha ha, pun intended. Um, but he has also a history of being a really dominant safety in the league, right? And who would definitely, without a question, come in as the strongest third safety option on the roster, right? He's super versatile. They actually moved him into that like hybrid safety linebacker role in his last year with Washington. He really, really produced. Um, so I think he could be really fun. And especially as someone who's coming off a torn Achilles, same thing like we just talked about with JPP. If you're going to be more rotational, you're not going to be on the field every single down. Maybe that's going to be a problem for him, but you can come in in certain situations and really like be on a very, very good, um, be in a very good secondary and be on a very, very good defense and contribute to the Packers defense. I think that could be enticing for him, but again, He's coming off of a big payday, and I just don't know if the Packers have the money to cough up that he potentially wants. But the longer you sit in free agency and aren't getting paid and not playing, I think that price tag continues to go down. But I'm really into Landon Collins. I think it'd be really fun, and that secondary would just get even even better. Yeah, one of the things that surprised me about Landon Collins was that he started every game he's ever played in in the NFL. Like that just seems like such a wonky statistic when you think about like a lot of guys normally their rookie season don't come in and start, but um and 79% of defensive snaps in 2021 was the lowest of his career. Like yeah. 79% of snaps on defense was your lowest output. That just is wild to me, but um, so even with injury, he's like incredibly productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean I think one of the things too that we're not really talking about maybe is just the fact that when you are third on the depth chart at a position group, you're basically a starter at this point. Like we see, we keep saying rotational guys, but if we're looking at edge rushers and safeties and even corners, you know, like the, the use, I know Joe Barry doesn't use dime as much as Mike Pettin did, but there are so many packages where we could see three safeties on the field, especially if they used a guy like, you know, Adrian Amos as that hybrid box safety and you drop, you know, Landon Collins closer to the line. So whoever comes in as like a third piece, I feel like he's going to be a lot more productive than maybe we're willing to give them credit for right now. Considering 100%. And I think the reason why you and I are looking at that third in each of these position groups is because we know it's so important. Yeah. And because we also know that like injuries happen and not that we want that, but it's the same deal. Like if anything were to happen with for to Amos or Savage, it completely changes the entire back end of this defense. And you get a vet in the room who has played, like you said, started every single game he's ever been in in the NFL. Like that's just, um, I think it 
it's insurance again, but you don't sign someone for the money. I think you sign Landon Collins for insurance. You sign him because he's going to do something. And Joe Barry loves his third safeties in those like nickel packages too. So it is going to be more than just a dime. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of these like position battles kind of have a way of sorting themselves out really quickly, whether it's by injury or, you know, something happens. So I think that third piece is going to be really vital. And it's, it's like we talked about a couple seasons ago when Tremont Williams came in and had to fill in at safety. Like you need pieces on the roster that are versatile. So you don't have to take guys from their position of strength and move them into a place that they maybe, you know, aren't as comfortable, which Landon Collins would do. So I'm going to stay in the same vein. We're, you know, on the same wavelength here, I think. But one of the names that I really liked still in free agency was Tashawn Gibson. And you probably looked at him as well as another safety. But, you know, most recently with Chicago, he's played over 90% of snaps every season except for his rookie year in Cleveland. Um, Chicago gave him a one-year $2.6 million deal last season. So he's definitely not a kind of guy that would, would break the bank. And, you know, you could argue he's not like, the flashiest safety in the league, but he pretty consistently averages two picks a season. He's never had a year where he's had zero picks. <laughs> so just, you know, that kind of fun ball hawking, like third safety. Um, you know, again, he's one of those guys that would probably want to come in and start. So you have to kind of account for what these guys would be willing to do if they'd want to be rotational behind two proven starters, maybe knowing they won't get those opportunities, but I when I saw the Landon Collins pick, it made a lot of sense. I think we were both definitely thinking that third safety role is going to be huge. I love that pick. That's fun. And it's funny that he I mean, he's an undrafted free agent, um, obviously, back in 2012. But we know how much the Packers love and are good at scouting undrafted free agent talent to come in and and do something for the team. So if they picked him up, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'd also feel even more confident that he'd be something because they're good at spotting them. Yeah, exactly. And so let's let's hear your third one because I think we're just going to kind of end up piggybacking each of these picks. We really stuck to I think two core position groups, but it's because like you said, we know that that third role is going to be key. Yeah. So yeah, my third, I went edge also. This was where I was deciding JPP and the reason why I went with this player is because I think the Packers could bring him in on a much smaller dollar amount. Yeah. Um but Carl Nassib from the Raiders. I was really, really surprised they didn't bring him back. Um, but he was obviously edge for the Raiders. He's also only 29, 28, 29. He was never a starter in Vegas, but that only leads me to believe that he would be okay, even more okay with being like an edge three in Green Bay. Cause that's kind of the position that he's been throughout his career. Um, and regardless it would be great competition for the depth guys because he does have a lot of in-game experience and these guys don't. And so he already is kind of like has a massive leg up, but I think it would be really fun to bring him in. Um, I think he's a little bit different. He's kind of an edge slash defensive end, right? So he's a little bit different than a Rashawn and a Preston, but I think they just need to bolster that group and, I know I keep saying insurance, but it just feels like the perfect insurance for a lot cheaper. Yeah. And I mean, the, the thing I like about bringing in a guy like Carl Nassib is because if you invest in somebody like JPP, they're making the roster and they're taking a spot arguably away from somebody that you're looking to develop long-term. Somebody like Carl Nassib, you could argue deserves to be on an NFL roster. I think he has the talent to do that, but if you're paying him 
a minimal amount. And then somebody yeah. like Jonathan Garvin has an insane camp and earns the third spot. It's no harm, no foul, because, you know, if he beats out Carl Nassib, he deserves that third spot. You're not going to give a guy like Jonathan Garvin or Randy Ramsey snaps over JPP. So you're almost like doing yourself a disservice in a weird way by bringing in somebody that you know is going to take a bulk of snaps away from guys you need to develop as insurance later on. For sure. And I mean, not for nothing, like maybe Carl wasn't a starter, but he played in almost Mm -hmm. every game for every team that he's been on Vegas, Cleveland, and who's this team? Oh, and the Bucks. Yeah. So he had six and a half sacks, which was his most in his first year with Tampa. So he's not right. No, no slouch. And I thought this was crazy. I don't know why. I know that football players are huge, but he's six seven. That surprised me too. He's really tall. That is ginormous. <laughs> Have you ever seen someone who's six seven in real life? That's a huge, huge. Probably not. So other everything else aside, that's just a big body on the defensive line. <laughs> yeah, and um, when the Browns were on hard knocks a couple seasons ago, it sounds like a weird thing to say, but he is so freakishly intelligent. Like he made like hard knocks fame because he was teaching all the guys what to do with their investment, like how to invest and like 401ks and stuff. Yeah. So when you talk about like smart football players, that's what I always think of with him as teaching, you know, the the other guys in the D line room, how to, how to balance their finances. Yeah. Um, And and the Packers value that for sure. mm -hmm. Football IQ is a huge, huge thing. Yeah. Again, we're in the exact same, like, you know, lockstep, but a name that I was looking at who's really similar to me to Carl Nassib from, you know, this kind of needing a restart is Tack McKinley. You know, he was drafted in the first round by the Falcons, dealt with a ton of injuries and, you know, ended up with Cleveland for 2021, took a, a pretty cheap contract. But when he's healthy, he can make an impact on a roster. I really liked him as a fit for Cleveland last year behind Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. They obviously chose not to bring him back. He only started two games in 2021, but he had two and a half sacks, one forced fumble, eight quarterback hits, 14 pressures, played 43% of defensive snaps. So if you're looking at, you know, bringing in depth behind a room where not only he, he has plenty of room to grow, right? He can still grow behind Rashawn and Preston, but he might also be able to help you bring up guys like Garvin and Tipa and round out the room because he has that kind of former first round pedigree. And he's been in a locker room long enough. I mean, he was first round pick in 2017 at this point. So he's been around the league, just like Carl Nassib and understands, you know, the caliber of NFL play. So he was a name I liked as well for like a cheap, position instead of like a JPP. I also took a look at him too. So definitely agree. And he's, he's 26. So like you said, there's plenty of room to grow and he's been in the league for a while now. So it's a really nice combination. And when you take a look at someone like him who played 43% of snaps, you could say, Oh, but that's not that much, but you look at what you just rattled off the stats of the Packers depth guys. And that is way more than anybody under Rashawn and Preston have played by a long stretch. So if he gets to stay in that role that he was in Cleveland in green Bay, he still can carve out like a nice chunk of playing time for himself. Yeah. And I mean, I think some of the names we're looking at, like, you know, whether it's Nassib or McKinley, like you're not bringing them in to be Rashawn Gary. These are, I mean, that happened with Devondre Campbell. He ended up being a starter and made all pro and, you know, was deserving of that. And that's not to say that a guy like Tack McKinley couldn't come in and be all pro, but you're not bringing them in to be an 80% of defensive snaps, like a 12 sack kind of pass rusher. You're bringing them in 
to be a third rotational guy. And if they exceed those expectations, then that's great. But they're they're already starting with a pretty decent floor. Like you're not worried about the bottom dropping out from your roster. Right. It is interesting though, because I think before this season, I would have been like, do the Packers really want to take on a player that wants to actually, I take that back. Now that I think about it a little more, I guess it does make sense. I mean, they're in an all, what I was going to say is like, do they want to take on a player that's in kind of a, I need to revitalize my career mode, right? Obviously Sammy Watkins is that. And I always thought it was really interesting that they brought him in in an all, all in year. It feels like very high risk for potentially high reward, mm-hmm. but high risk with potentially low reward because it's been, been someone who's been up and down. And a lot of these names that we've been talking about too, right? Tack McKinley, and Landon Collins, I think, are like the two that really jump out at me. P- JPP has just been solid for his entire right. career. But you, you take a look at a player like that, and there is some risk to it, even if it's a low, um, low like contract value, saying like, okay, but they could also just be not very good. And then we're still in the same place we were before with our depth guys who like aren't meeting our standards. So I think it's an interesting question. Yeah. And I mean, I think what is also so interesting about the Packers approach is that, you know, we talked about this once the Rams won the Super Bowl, like there's different levels of going all in and finding depth has always been the Packers mode of going all in. Um, For Pack-A-Day this week, we have to talk about the Rams and two of their free agent losses are Von Miller and OBJ, both who are with the team for like eight games came in, made an impact, won a Super Bowl, and now they're gone again. That's not how the Packers operate. You know, they're not going to sign somebody. You could argue maybe that, like, Rasul Douglas was kind of in that same vein because he had to come in midseason, but it wasn't the same caliber of going out and getting, like, you know, Von Miller. They didn't trade for him and have him bolster the roster. So I do think that's kind of a, you know, an interesting conversation in thinking about the Packers roster building 365 days a year. Yeah, it's true. I guess the way you're describing it. These guys do feel like the exact type of players that the Packers go for when they're going all in, right? The, the high risk, potentially high reward. Obviously their scouts are very good at what they do because they've had, they've hit on these guys for the most part over the last couple of seasons. Um, I do, do you find it interesting? I asked myself this earlier. Do you find it interesting that we, even though this defense is so good on paper and you can make the argument that this defense is going to be better than the offense this season. We still took a look at defensive depth players and not offensive players. Like I breezed past the wide receivers, the tight ends, the running backs. Like I didn't feel the need to look at that at all because I feel like the Packers have the, the right bodies. They just have to figure out what to do with them. Yeah, I, I did think that was kind of funny because, you know, we we look at the starters and on paper, the defense, you could argue, is better than it was in 2021. And they made very few adjustments, added a couple pieces in the draft. Um, they're getting back guys that are healthy now, obviously, but, you know, the, on paper, not much has changed. On offense, a lot has changed on paper, including like your starting offensive line, your number one wide receiver is gone. But I agree, it just it didn't feel like the Packers way to talk about a guy like Julio Jones. And I think that's where this came from was the look at, you know, hope, hopefully, you know, something that feels realistic. The Packers brought in Sammy Watkins and that was their wide receiver splash. And then they drafted three. They're not now going to go get a guy like Julio Jones. Maybe if OBJ is still there in November, you know, maybe, (laughs) but I, yeah. I completely agree. That was my same thought process. Also, I just, it didn't feel, 
And like, there were some guys on there. Like I remember seeing Kyle Rudolph and I'm like, that just doesn't move the needle for me. No matter, like, even if Tunyon we find out isn't back until October, I think they lean on the guys that they have in that room. Um, I did, did pause at OBJ. I did just because I know that they were in on him last season, but again, he's coming off an ACL tear. Like that is no small feat. And that happened in the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So So he's not going to be available for quite some time, if at all this season, which makes sense why he's still free agent. I think that if his rehab was going well to the point where he could say he could play this year, I think the Rams would re-sign him in a second. So very interesting. I just thought that was funny that we both just went right past skill position players. Yeah. And I mean, I think part of it is because we know how Matt LaFleur operates. And when we're talking about, like you mentioned, Kyle Rudolph, there's, you know, a couple tight ends still on the board that are available for the Packers. But I think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers will lean on big dog and, you know, we'll see Josiah DeGuara get more looks in his third season now that he's not dealing with injuries and he's able to like fully participate in training camp. And even Tyler Davis, like I know this name keeps cropping up and everyone's excited about his training camp, but when the Packers are excited about someone, like they want to give them opportunities. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about with like a JPP, where if you bring in a big name, you're, you're looking at hindering the development of some of your young guys. Like I don't see the Packers bringing in Julio unless they felt like if they thought Julio Jones was going to get them to the Super Bowl, I'm sure they would bring him in, but you don't want to bring him in and then have to, to risk losing a guy like Romeo Dobbs or somebody that you're not able to develop that you've invested a high draft pick in. I agree with you though. Like Sammy Watkins was this, Mm -hmm. like, I think that if they hadn't brought Sammy Watkins in, we, we would probably be talking about, Oh, what about Julio Jones? Or what yeah. about maybe we bringing up him? You know what I mean? But they did that already, right? It feels like they checked the box on that. So let's look at players in other position groups of need. And not, not for nothing, I think the Packers are going into camp with like seven or eight wide receivers. Like they're still going to have to potentially cut guys or put them on the practice squad. Some that they may want to have on the roster. Like there's enough, there's enough depth there. I don't, I don't feel the need to kind of like lean into this whole narrative around like the Packers don't have enough weapons right now because they do. They just got to figure out, like I said, what to do with them. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I know I told you pre-show that I had one name that I just, it's just fun for me and, you know, maybe no one else will think it's fun. But um, when I was going through this, one of the things I looked at was any players that maybe would have had a connection with Rich Basaccia because I thought if they were going to invest in any type of vested veteran, maybe you'd look at special teams. And it's not a connection to Basaccia, but Chris Banjo was the Packers special teams ace for, and he has just continued to be a special teams ace in Arizona. Obviously it was with green Bay from 2013 to 2016. So it's been a while, but like last season with the Cardinals, he threw a pass on special teams. It was like a trick play. Um, he played 1% of defensive snaps last season. So he's he would literally be probably safety three, but he like he wouldn't play defense. I think he played like 76% of defensive snaps. Like this is the kind of guy that you sign to be a mainstay on your defense. He was a defense or he was a special teams captain for Green Bay when he was with the team. So I just thought that was really funny. I know that, you know, Keyshawn Nixon came in as kind of that role, but he's projected as a backup nickel behind Jair or whoever starts there, Russell Douglas, Eric Stokes. So he might actually have a role on defense. So if you're looking at names that can come in and just bolster special teams, it's Chris Banjo. I love that so much. (laughs) 
<laughs> if they brought him back, that would be so fun. I think fans would really enjoy that. That's funny. And you're not wrong. I mean, we're talking about position groups that need help and we're completely forgetting about an entire phase of this team that basically lost them a playoff game. So yes, I agree. Do we think that any of the guys we listed earlier would be special teamers? I don't think so. No. And I, I looked at that, like Deshaun Gibson has played like 0% of special team snaps. Landon Collins, I think has played like two or 3%. Like, you know, these are guys that come in and they're like, I'm I'm a starter. And I know that, you know, Basachi has said like he wants starters on defense, but I'm going to feel really sketchy if like Adrian Amos is a gunner. Like I'm going to hate that if we have like core Packers, starters that have to take up the mantle on special teams it's just you know the risk for injury is so high I know I I do have something to say about that because I debate this all the time in my mind about how I feel about who plays on special teams but I think that might be a topic for another day all right I like it all right well I guess guys let us know what you think about our six seven players (laughs) very curious I'm very curious what people think um how they feel about this idea and um Obviously, Packers did it last season. They brought Devondre Campbell in in June, and now he's on a massive contract and made All-Pro. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that someone that is not yet on the roster is going to make a huge impact this year. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Good topic, Perry. And in two weeks, we'll be able to uh, talk about what is actually happening at training camp. So Yes, and we will be up there in a month. Yeah, wow. Literally like five weeks. Yeah. Cannot wait. Haven't been to Wisconsin since September. And I'm having some hinterland and uh, cheese curd withdrawals. I miss beer so much, but I can I can eat cheese curds at least. So that that is all the time that we have for today's show. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Perry underscore underscore Goldstein at Maggie J. Loney. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS podcast. You can find us on YouTube and Twitch and Instagram at Packs What She Said. Um, I'm sure at some point when we're up in training camp, we'll do like a live show. We'll get the the Twitch back at some point. We'll start doing game recaps. Um, but yeah, so stick around because we are almost at training camp. We almost have Packers football back. So thank you as always for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.